Continue. Listen to Natty News. All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Natty News, the nattiest news show in the world. I'm here with my co-host Pat. And Pat, today is a super special day. Do you know why? Yeah, well, it's our first episode with with our guest, and uh, it's also Boxing Day, but that doesn't really matter. But uh, you can introduce our guest today. Forget Boxing Day. This is the first ever Natty News guest. And, you know, for all the listeners around the world, you know, when me and Pat first started Natty News, people would always say, oh, no one will want to hear two Natties talk about stuff. No one will ever go on your podcast. You need to be juiced like Joe Rogan to have guests. And today I can be very proudly say that we were able to get a guest. We made it. We have our first guest, Pat. And uh, this is just a beautiful moment. And I could have not thought of a better guest than our guest today, Dominic. Dominic, do you want to introduce yourselves to the billions of natties who are listening? How's it going? Uh, my name is Dominic. Um, I am a kinesiologist and good friend of uh, Pat and Anwar here. Yeah, um, so uh, Dom is actually uh, really crazy. Dom actually went to the same high school as me and Pat. He was a year ahead of us, but was a really cool guy. And um, it was super cool that uh, Dom actually did kin with Pat. So did you guys have any classes together? Oh, let me let me tell the story. This is good. This is good. <laughs> so I never, like, Dom, you will probably agree. We, we didn't really talk in high school. <laughs> like, you did your thing, I did my thing. Now I'm out here in, I think, my fourth year of kinesiology taking the motor learning class at 8 a.m. in the morning in the winter. Um, and uh, I, I slept through the entire course, pretty much. Like, I literally went in there at 8 a.m. with my friend, and then I just, like, I just died every class, right? So it came to near the midterm, and I noticed, I was like, that looks like Dominic from high school across the room. So I asked Dom, I'm like, hey, you have, you have some of the notes for the, for the midterm, man? I, I slept through the course. I, even more, I, hadn't talked to, I hadn't talked to the guy in five years. And that was my open conversation. Um, but, then, and then after, but then after that point, at the end of term, we actually studied for the final together. Um, I think one day, we did like 12 straight hours in a day. Like we literally went like, like 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. to study for that final. And uh, that's kind of how I would describe we became friends. It was uh, definitely pretty hectic of a semester, um, seeing you walk in 15 minutes before class ends and probably still managing to do better than me. That is definitely impressive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. How, what was your feeling, Dom, when Pat came to you as a total slacker and just wanted you to kind of carry him through the class? I mean, I had the impression that he was, you know, doing pretty well um, until I started actually seeing him in class and coming in late. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it turns out uh, he's uh, pretty, pretty gifted in the uh, field of kin. I think he has a lot of uh, good educational background and uh, lots of good uh, physical background outside of that uh, with sports and training. So it was uh, made, made for a lot of good conversation. Damn, Pat, no wonder you wanted Dom to be the first guest. I see what you're doing here. He was not, he's not a paid guest. <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, no, that's great to hear. But we don't care about Pat today. We want to hear more about you, Dom. So how about let's get a little more background about your education. So 
uh, where do you go to school? What did you study? And uh, how about like, how did you get into like um, fitness and lifting weights and just health and stuff? Cool. So um, I started off uh, actually wanting to study like interior design and other things. Um, I remember specifically in, in high school, that's what I always wrote out um, in, in my planning classes. Um, I started at Langara, um and I studied kinesiology there. Um, it wasn't until getting into some of the classes that I really started to just grow interest into the field. Um, I then transferred on to finish my bachelor's of kin at UBC. Um, and in, in my background, I was always athletic since elementary school. Uh, competed in a lot of sports, uh, track and field, all the way to the end of high school. Um, and that's when I picked up resistance training um, and then have done a lot of like strength and bodybuilding training then. And basically through battling a lot of injuries over the years, I developed an interest in healthcare, specifically rehab and recovery. So now, um, after all of that, uh, I am a practicing kinesiologist. Um, I am working in a clinical setting for just under a year now. Um, and yeah, that's been really good for me. No, so that's awesome. So I, I remember, I actually do remember back in high school that, yeah, I used to do a lot of like sports and track and field. Um, I also remember like you were always like a really lean guy, like you were always like pretty lean, really quick, all that. And when I saw you after a couple of years, um, me, you and Pat went to work out, you were yoked, like you, you put some good gains on, you got some great muscle and all that. So like, what was the motivation for you to start doing resistance training? Was it for like a sports reason or was it just for another thing? Uh, funny enough. Um... I, I got into training specifically for sports and then um, there was, you know, a big, you know, breakup in my life. And then that's when I kind of took uh, bodybuilding a bit more seriously, I guess for like other, like uh, other motives, I guess. But uh, that's kind of what got me into it. And then I just continued doing that as I was studying more about it, getting more into sports and whatnot. All right. Um, sorry for the interruption. We're back at it. So, Dom, you were talking about kind of like you got into resistance training for the aesthetics. You know, uh, a very common story after a breakup, uh, you may be feeling a little down and you were using it to kind of like improve. And yeah, I think me and Pat, we talked about how um, kind of girls were the first reason we started working out. Uh, but unlike you, we weren't um, as charismatic and good looking. So we had to work out then get girlfriends. We couldn't get girlfriends without working out. Oh man, um, but yeah, training girls. Um, uh, I, I, you know what? Honestly, um, I think it's a good uh, motive to get yourself into uh, fitness, um, even if that is the reason. Um, I think it's really good nowadays, especially because like my whole job is uh, promoting you know physical activity nowadays. Um, you know that is a perfectly good reason to hop into it if you needed one. You know, like. Um, although we probably won't focus on this much, I feel like the motivation to get like a girlfriend was the motivation for a lot of my life decisions. Like, man, why did I go to university? Yeah, I want to get a good job so I can get a good girlfriend and all that stuff. Like, it really does go down to a lot of yourself. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it's like in the back of my head. Like, I'm like, oh yeah, I want to be successful. I got to do all this stuff. But yeah, you know, it's you know, I wouldn't say it's necessarily for a girl, but like. You know, to get a girl in the end, you know, those are, you know, those are things that matter. Yeah, you might be, you might be a little more self-actualized than me and Pat here, but. 
um, no, but awesome. So we're getting the story. So you decided to start lifting. Um, how many years have you lifted for so far? Um, no, I, I get asked that a lot. And I always want to say like, oh, you know, when I actually knew how to train, <laughs> not train this long. Because it's like, okay, I started training in the end of high school, um, kind of not knowing what I was doing. Um, I'm sure we all have. But um, I mean, like realistically, you know, a few years of good training for sure. Uh, but probably altogether, you know, a good seven years on and off. Damn, seven. Yeah, no, I definitely feel you on that. I think there's definitely been some good years and some pretty crappy years. So it's kind of hard to really give a good estimate to that because like a consistent year can be backfired by like a year or two of just being like messing around. And sometimes not even a, a few years of messing around, you know, even like, you know, f funny enough uh, right now in the uh, pandemic, I'm a, I'm a pretty good example, um, you know, of somebody who has uh got to my peak physique got to my peak strength and you know have you know windled down a little bit definitely uh been a little lazy due to covid um but you know it's a, it's a good example it kind of shows that you know we we do have a lot of barriers for you know our training totally totally and you know what this is the time to brag let's hear about those peaks dom what have you what numbers have you been hitting let's hear about some of these um your numbers let's let's brag about it Oh man, um, put me on the spot. Um, well, I I used to I used to power lift. Um, numbers: uh, four ten squat, two sixty five bench, four eighty five deadlift. At my peak, uh, what body weight um, was that around? Uh, probably around one eighty five, one ninety. Damn, son. so you it's, were like, sorry, right. no, I was I was happy with it. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't go to the gym often and see someone squatting for plates that's under 200 pounds. So I think you have to give some props to that. Yeah, beats I mean, me. Uh, I mean, it was it was from all the people who don't train legs. Uh, shout out to the people who train legs, you know, you know who you are. Um, but yeah, I was tired of seeing, uh, you know, 135 on the bar, you know, above parallel. It was painful for me. So, you know, I took it seriously. Went through a whole like 12 week leg program. And you know, I got to got to that four plates. That's awesome, man. So, do you think squats are your favorite lift? Like, I think um, me and Pat talked about before. Like, I love deadlifting, and I don't know what you love to do, Pat. I don't know. They're you know, squats are okay. I'm not very good at them. I'm better at deadlifting, but squats are a necessity with Olympic lifting, so can't decide. True. And how about you, Dom? What's like? What's your favorite thing? Like, what's the uh, the lift that you always want to do more and keep progressing on? Oh man, I think I think for me it was um it was the deadlift. Um, I think it was fun for me because um I pulled sumo versus a lot of conventional pullers, and uh, it was very mechanical. And like for me, um, I was really big on like the biomechanics and the movement, especially as I studied it more. Um, so getting this efficient pull off the ground was always something like fun for me. And then the strength kind of came along with the volume that I did in, in training. So probably deadlifts. So it sounds like you were pretty scientific with your training. Like here you are talking about mechanics and all this stuff. Like, would you say that you kind of like really try to take a scientific approach to your training, like Lane Norton or something? Like Lane uh, Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely had a lot of uh, influence on how I trained. Um, I mean, as I was training and going through school, um, I guess I got 
um, exposed to a lot of, you know, um, things in theory that were that were bad for you. And I, I tried to apply that. Um, but it, it's funny because a lot of um, a lot of the training or the training nowadays, um, a lot of people don't take uh, these scientific things into account. Um, it's always like, you know, you uh, go in there and slap on three plates and then you do an ugly squat and that's, you know, and you're strong, you know. So it's definitely has a big influence on me. Um, and I think uh, even so in my work nowadays, um, you know, it, it uh, definitely plays a big role. Yeah, no, I, I, I imagine that. Um, with that being said, actually, I'm curious. So you obviously have a kin degree and you're working as a professional kinesiologist. Of all the people you see in kin, how many of them would you say even lift? Oh, I mean, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to, you know, name names. I don't want to say nothing, but uh, honestly, not, not enough. Um, and yeah, that kind of goes back to how important I think um, to have training experience. Um, because I think a lot of the stuff that I teach in my field of work, um, it wouldn't be at that level if I had not touched a barbell in my life or lifted weights. Um, I think those things are essential um in the field of uh, rehabilitation and i think um people who have the theory definitely need to go out there and you know uh put themselves under some weight and try to understand uh, the things that they're teaching so we'll go into uh talking about your career as a kinesiologist because i'm sure i would actually really love to learn more about that and what you do but i really want to talk about the schooling a bit like you mentioned your story about why you decided to do kinesiology. Now, if there was someone who's kind of like thinking about it, just not really sure what to do with their life, what would you tell them uh, if they're interested in kinesiology? Um, I think kin is a great field to kind of understand a lot of uh, underlying things about health. Um, as a undergraduate degree, it's relatively general. Um, you do have choices to to learn about, you know, specific things. Um, but just learning about, um, you know, general health and fitness is quite important. I think it's a good avenue. It, it sets you up for a lot of career paths um, that you want to delve into. Um, I know everyone talks about rehab and kin, but there are a lot of different avenues you can get into as well. I think um, if you just kind of want to take something in school, uh, you want to learn a bit more about health, I think it's a good uh, starting step to take. Now, um, Dom, something we've talked about this podcast a few times is my goal to hit a three-plate bench. If I go back to school for another four-year degree and get a kin degree, will I get closer to hitting those sweet, sweet three-plates? I mean, I'm sure you will, man. I'm sure you will. <laughs> it's in there. It's in there. All right, I guess I'm going to be signing up for a new semester in September. <laughs> Quit your job. Yeah, dude, who needs a paycheck when you have a three-plate bench? Exactly. That's what the girls care about, right? That's why I'm only care how much you lift. That's the sad truth we realize after these years. No one really cares how much you lift except for other guys. It's not true. All the bros care. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, no, I'm impressed by your fur plate squat, Dom, even if you're Tinder dates aren't. <laughs> um, no, but that's awesome. Uh, Pat, do you want to share any of your opinions about like the kinesiology degree? uh yeah i hope it's not i feel like we may have talked about it but um i think um i think the thing to be wary of if you're taking a kin degree is 
not to suddenly feel like you're a, a, a kin expert, uh, not not to suddenly feel like you're like some sort of health medical expert just because you're in kin. Because I um, I am a teaching assistant, and that's like something I <coughs> I, I hear way too much. Like um, you know, students are starting to diagnose stuff for their friends, or you know, they they start trying to correct everybody at the gym. There's uh, you know, you're learning a lot, but then as you learn more, you you'll kind of find out what you don't know. Um, so being careful with that i think it's i think it's a good degree it's not at least at ubc where i took it, it's not the hardest degree in the world either um and i think like general knowledge of the body can lead you a lot of ways if you go medical or, or rehab or even into into coaching or whatnot um yeah so those are my thoughts i don't think you give yourself enough credit i know how much you guys have to memorize i wouldn't say it's like a super easy degree it's okay it's not the hardest out there yeah, I think there's yeah. definitely a lot of memorization. Um, but then when you step into the field, uh, it's, you know, that application is like pretty crazy. Like the amount of stuff that you have to realize is going on. Um, but yeah, definitely in the undergrad, uh, a lot of memorization. Oh, I have a, I have a follow-up question with that one. <coughs> I'll get written down. It's, um, yeah, like looking back on your overall ed education as a kin, and now that you're doing the job as a kinesiologist, what are some of the kind of limitations and strengths of the degree, right? Like how well did this degree prepare you to do this job of being a kinesiologist? Also, um, frequently asked question is, what the heck is a kinesiologist? And how is that different between a personal trainer or like a physical therapist? So two questions. Yeah, so starting off with education, um, I think I was decently prepared. Um, I think the moment I stepped into the actual field of being a, uh, I guess, clinical kinesiologist, um, I quickly found out what kind of things I was missing. Um, a lot of that is the hands-on work that I don't think we were exposed to enough. Um, um, there's definitely a lot of uh, theoretical things um, that were beneficial. Um, some of the things that I would suggest if somebody is taking kin, um, Biomechanics is great. Um, neuromuscular integration is great. Um, pathology is always great. Um, all those things tied together, at least in a clinical setting, is super beneficial. Did you did you take biomechanics um, at the at at both levels at UBC? Um, I only took the first one, and I took that at Lingera before I transferred. Um, mm. So I definitely regret not taking that second portion of biomechanics. Um, but for the field of work um, that I'm in, um, I work with the general population, so I don't find that I need to do um, such crazy levels of analysis for movement. Um, but they definitely do help you understand how things move and, you know, the muscles relation to other muscles in the surrounding area and things like that. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, like, I recently had to take physics for whatever reason. And um, I think like just basic concepts of like muscle power and, and uh, you know, like what is force even, like what is length, what is torque? Like I think those things actually, you know, if you can understand how the, how that works and I think it helps you to deepen your understanding. Yeah, the, the general knowledge of that definitely has an application um, to helping you understand um, things such as like, you know, when we talk about like Texter's neck or something like that, like very common, like, things we'll see on social media nowadays um having that basic knowledge kind of helps you understand like you know what kind of loads are placed on your neck like why do people feel this pain 
what is the pathology behind all of this stuff? And then, you know, even with that basic information, it helps you understand um, those simple things that you might read, you know, on social media. Yeah, and I, I think like something we always, like a, half of the communication we probably regularly do is like sending each other, you know, fitness or health content off Instagram that's either, we either send really good stuff or really bad stuff. And it's like, you'll, you'll hear things, people saying, they'll do like a hit workout is like, oh, this is going to help you increase maximum power. And it's, it's, it's if you have that basic knowledge of physics and biomechanics, you'll kind of understand anything you're doing for one hour straight with no rest is not going to increase your power. Like I think <laughs> things like that are, are like really good that you can learn. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and you also asked uh, about kins, trainers, physical therapists, and kind of how they relate and differ. Um, yeah. Yeah, so um, as a kinesiologist, um, I guess specific to my role, um, I do a lot of assessments. Um, typically, I deal with uh, uh, clients who have been in motor vehicle accidents. So um, I'll be assessing, you know, objective measures, range of motion, muscle tightness, tenderness, movement patterns, um, and their activities of daily living. Um, those are all examples of things I'll look at. Um, I will try to create a personalized, um, I guess, routine, um, whether it's through stretching, through, you know, mobility uh, exercises, through strengthening, and definitely a lot of education on, you know, anatomy and how, how your body moves to get them to better understand. Um, that's the bulk of what I do on paper. Of course, there's little things um, that I do on top of that. Um, but I think we get compared to trainers a lot and more so even called like glorified personal trainers you know the only difference separating us is like you know four-year degree you know we hear that a lot um you might as well as a strength and conditioning coach and i think um there's definitely some difference between the two um but you know good trainers will implement a lot of these methodologies on their own um but I think the main difference is that they're training um, people or they're teaching people to, um, you know, with the purpose of athletic performance, you know, general fitness, things like that. Um, whereas kids can also do that. But I think a lot of their uh, training population is like the general public and teaching these very fundamental things. Um, yeah. When it comes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, um, that, that sounds great. I think it, it clarifies, clarifies it a lot that, uh, you know, I, I spent, I kind of spent a couple years after grad thinking how I am a glorified personal trainer while acting as a kin. And then I went back to being a personal trainer. I think part of it is just the perspective you go about. Like your job is to, you know, when you see an injury or your clients have injuries, like your job is to help them deal with the injury and get back to normal. As a trainer, like when I have some of the injury nowadays, I actually like my job is not to deal with their injury. I I usually refer them out nowadays. And then my job is actually just help them training, like train around their injury, right? If you have an arm injury, I'm going to be like, okay, how can we keep up your general fitness and perform other exercises to, to keep that up um, while they attend a, per a physical therapist or a kinesiologist to deal with their injury. So different points of view. Yeah, you continue. Yeah. And, and with what you said, there's definitely overlap and you being, you know, you having studied formally as, you know, in kinesiology, there's a lot of overlap that you get to put down, um, you know, in, in your
protocol as well, which is great. Um, you know, that's what we all kind of strive for um, as, you know, trainers and people that are promoting um, physical activity and fitness. Um, but yeah, moving to, you know, physical therapists. Um, now I have some experience with some of them as I work around them. Um, but again, there is a lot of overlap um, between what kins do and, you know, somebody like a physical therapist, physio. Um, they're typically, you know, diagnosing um, and ruling in, ruling out specific like musculoskeletal or neurological diseases or, you know, other things um, by assessing the pathology, performing special tests, things like that. Uh, but I think the fundamental, uh, I guess the fundamental approach is to, you know, take it from active rehab and not doing, you know, too many passive things, letting people understand their body, how it moves, because it really is a great way of, you know, um, rehabilitating yourself is through movement. Yeah, hun- yeah, hundred percent agree. And obviously, we're we're biased here because we're we're all about exercise here. But I think um, e- even if the passive modalities are really effective, I think you'd agree that the exercise allows the clients to kind of be kind of be self proactive about their rehab process. They have something to do about it rather than just uh, you know having to keep coming back to their therapist to to work on them. Right. So so I like that approach a lot. Yeah, and and I think there's. Um there's this misconception um, that moving more kind of makes injuries worse. Um, perhaps if you're performing, you know, very recklessly um, or you have no idea what you're doing. Um, but I think that with a lot of the clients that I see, um, they're so torn on like, you know, getting passive treatments such as massage therapy or like manipulations from the physios needling things like that uh, where it gives you a very like short-term um recovery for whatever you're dealing with um it's hard for you to make these adaptations um you know without doing the work yourself yeah and it's it's uh it's extremely evidence-based right like the the exercise bit in terms of the research Mm -hmm. And, and i think the most common one is like you know when we used to talk about rice and, and that approach, a lot of like resting, you know, icing, and even those things have been, you know, sh- kind of shunned out by, you know, recent research as well. Um, so everything kind of comes back to um, wanting to move um, for rehabilitation, um, learning how to do, you know, movements in a specific way. A um, lot of knowledge out there, a lot of uh, research um, that will definitely get you uh, on the right path. So, um, Dom, that actually brings up a really interesting point and something I would love to ask you about is because um, I do not have any formal like knowledge or training experience. And I've always been told throughout my life since I was a wee little lad that whenever you get injured, you should do the rice method and you should just rest up for a week and not move it or anything like that. Now, um, as you're saying now, that's not always that's not really the best way to do it. That movement is super important. How does someone know, though? When is it right to move and when is it right for them just to kind of like leave the area alone and let it rest? Um, I think like for, for me, um, I give a little window. Um, injuries can be very daunting and um, it, it's okay to feel like you shouldn't do anything um, because that's kind of how you've grown up uh, learning about it. Um, there is a period of time where I feel like it's, it's okay to rest to mitigate the pain, whether that's resting, using ice. I think that those methods, although there are better ways to do it. Um, those are ways you can always start and ease yourself into it. Um, but basically, once you 
um, are able to make movements, it starts at the very like fundamental level. Even if you're performing, you know, an exercise with the injured area, like you know, against against very minimal resistance or like you know something isometric, um, something like that, just to kind of work the muscle. Um, send blood to the area. We all know that blood has a lot of uh, healing properties. Um, there's different ways of like how inflammation works um, that we kind of learn about as well. Um, everything kind of points back to uh, moving your muscles, you know, getting a little bit started. And then um, it's always great to kind of look forward for um, help, whether it's a kinesiologist, physical therapist, um, to kind of guide you in the right direction. Uh, but general rule of thumb, if you can move, try very very slowly um and you'll be kind of on your way for rehab yeah i actually remembered uh way back i actually tore my hamstring before and the, i went to a physiotherapist and they were saying the same thing you said they were saying like as soon as i could walk and i can move it i should start walking and moving it because if i don't like it will build up scar tissue and i could lose a lot of mobility and like Thankfully, like my hamstring feels completely fine, like it never happened. So I definitely try to keep on moving as much as I can, even when I'm injured. Um, of course, not going until the point of pain. Mm -hmm, for sure, yeah. Definitely just keep moving. Um, and that should be like the general rule of thumb for anything, really. Um, now that, you know, a lot of us are being sedentary uh, due to COVID, you know, moving. Moving is key. Moving is a great way of... Uh, prevention per se no you won't really prevent uh injuries but you're you're better uh you're better off you know your body's going to be a little bit stronger a bit more mobile uh to be able to you know fend off these things you know on that kind of note though dom I i'm curious so uh obviously you work as a kinesiologist and you've seen uh, a probably a variety of different injuries is there any injury where you're kind of like that's silly that's easy to prevent like you just have to do a very little exercise to kind of prevent it is there anything in your mind that um, makes you think of something like that like something that our listeners could change right away to prevent some sort of injury um there are things that we'll teach over and over and over again that i find are super fundamental um i think pat will agree on this but one of these things are the hip hinge um learning how to you know um activate different uh parts of your body kind of in synchrony um using your hips to kind of control um you know the most the common example is like oh when you're picking something off the ground um there'll be a guy in the background and he'll be telling you to lift with your legs um and that is um largely driven on the principle of hip hinging and you know using your posterior muscles to kind of lift the weight not loading into your back because uh, we all know how common uh back pain is whether that's upper back um lower back things around the hips and we always worry about those things moving into old age. And as our population gets older, um, it's more of a concern for us to think about. That's interesting. So like, um, I remember, I actually remember when I first started getting interested in fitness and watching, there was a lot of people against doing like deadlifts or like any kind of motion like that. Um, and now I feel like nowadays they're getting a lot more common accepted for reasons you're saying, like that you shouldn't avoid doing like these like hip hinge movements, but they're actually they're super important to kind of like build up and strengthen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's it's good that the literature is you know changing. People, uh, more importantly, people are open to these uh, changes, um, and it's because we have a good uh, foundation of you know research and science, and we're able to prove 
these things that you know might other words you know otherwise have been uh, said to be bad in the past. Um, so we're evolving, and that's good. Uh, great for everyone. Great for the rehab community. Um, you know, we're getting good information out there. What uh, what's actually a piece of information that when you hear you just cringe at? Like, what's some like old bro science that needs to be forgotten? What's something that you always cringe at when you hear? Uh, okay, so you know me. Uh, I like to squat. Uh, squatting with your knees over your toes is bad. Um, I hate that one. Um, I'm I'm sure I'm sure Pat agrees with this. I know hundred percent he does. I, I squat deep. You already know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's one of the bad ones. Um, you know, we we can kind of uh, look at it from you know a general perspective. Somebody outside just kind of looking at you know the position that seems very daunting for the body. Um, and I, I guess there are reasons we could, you know, pick off the top of our head why these things are bad. But, uh, you know, as we understand how the body moves, how it's, you know, made to move, um, you know, even think about how people just kind of squat on the street sometimes and they're like squatting all the way to the ground. You know, you, these things are natural movements um, and we can be strong in them. Uh, we shouldn't be avoiding specific movements, uh, but we should approach it, uh, you know, with the intention of getting stronger. Yeah, that's that's what I've been hearing. For, I still hear all the time. Can, can you actually give maybe a brief explanation of why it's okay for your knees to uh, go past your toes as long as everything else is like fundamentally correct? Um, I think a lot of people are just worried about like knee pain. And, um, you know, a lot of us will think like anterior stress on the knee is what kind of gives you pain. But there's, you know, there's a hundred reasons why you could be having knee pain. And uh what people don't understand is like it's it's not things that just you know come from the knee itself you know foot mechanics matter hip mechanics matter um muscle tightnesses matter all these different things um but that's kind of just you know in in general talking about um why this knees over toe thing is uh, considered so bad um yeah i don't know uh much to say like what what else to really say about it there's uh it, it's something that you know should be done um i'd be happy to like talk about it um all day if i wanted to um <laughs> i think you gave a good some uh summation like it's a complex issue and there's not an easy answer so uh, yeah <laughs> it's not just that your knees go over it could be a like you said it could be a hundred different things so uh, people should maybe, if they are experiencing pain in a squat, it might be worth finding a professional like you or Pat to maybe do a little bit of a deeper analysis to help solve that puzzle. Mm -hmm, for sure, and that's you know that that's what we that's what we do. That's what yeah, we I do. <laughs> yeah. Awesome, awesome. Now this has been um fantastic. Uh, yeah. So actually, maybe a more of a deeper question. So as you are someone who's incredibly passionate about the fitness industry and are working in it. And me and Pat have talked a lot about how the fitness industry can be insanely like just corrupt and lying and misguide people. And I think it's one of the most dishonest industries out there. Um, but uh, I do really admire how like people like you and Pat go out there to try to bring some honesty and bring some truth out there. What do you hope to bring to your clients and your establishments that you work for when you do work as a kinesiologist? Um, I think the the very base level of things is just to promote how important physical activity is. Um, you know, it's not just about, you know, getting big, even about like moving. We know moving is good. Um, you know, there's a lot of other factors that it can affect, you know, 
um, heart disease, things like that, obesity, you know, lifestyle changes. Um, there's always going to be something good that comes from moving. Um, I, I think with a lot of, you know, the surge of social media, um, it is important to kind of step back a little bit and kind of, you know, understand why movement is good, why we even do it in the first place and the kind of benefits that it brings. Um, so I know that, you know, there's a lot of dishonesty for sure. Um, you know, I'm tired of seeing people sell all these hit workouts and whatnot. Um, but, you know, you can just, you know, move at home, move a little faster, you know, have some intent with your movement. And then you've, you know, could have created a hit workout yourself. A lot of it is marketing. A lot of it is false information. Uh, but not everything is bad. I think as long as there's something out there that promotes, um, you know, physical activity, it's definitely good for people to follow. Um, yeah, you know, the most important thing is really just movement. We'd love to hear it. And yeah, that's something I think, uh, both Pat and I have tried to really say in a lot of different episodes that like, no matter what you do, as long as you do a little more than, um, as long as you kind of just got out there, did a little work, like that's what it's all about. And like, there's an insane amount of benefit from just moving your body. Yeah, that's for sure. All right, uh, Pat, you have anything else you wanted to talk uh, to Dom about? Ask him about. Um, I guess just just to uh, just to top it off, and and this will be, I think this this will be a good question for you. Is just if someone's thinking about um, someone's thinking about seeing a kinesiologist. Um, let's say they're they're wanting to get started exercising, or they're dealing with an injury or two. Um, I mean, how might you help them make that decision? Like when. How would someone know if it, if uh, working with a kinesiologist like you would be good for them? Um, I mean, everyone's approach as a kin is a little bit different. Um, for me, I'm very big on education. Um, a lot of the general public that might come to see me as a kinesiologist, um, you know, really don't know where to start, like you guys said. Um, and I think just helping them understand the body, um, looking at, you know, the things that they're already doing in their daily life, whether it's just cooking and cleaning, whether that's working at a desk work for eight hours a day. Um, there's really simple things we can learn to assess and change to give you a better, like, you know, overall uh, physical health, um, you know, posture. We talk about a lot, you know, learning why we, you know, how, how it is to have good posture, um, what you can do, quick changes, things like that. Um, so no matter who you are, there's always, you know, a good reason to see a kinesiologist. Um, there's definitely benefit you can get out of it. Um, don't always think that it's, you know, working you to the ground, lots of training. Um, it can, it can be like that, um, if you want it to be, um, but for the general public, um, you know, where our focus is to help you live your life a bit better through physical means. Nice. And then, uh, my last question you gave in more specific is, uh, so how, uh, we heard a little bit about your coaching style, you know, making it, it sounds like you're really good at making it accessible to others. And, you know, definitely you do not have that elitist at, um, attitude about fitness that I hear way too often. How would you describe your coaching style with your clients um, in, let's say, in like three sentences or less? Um, you definitely have to uh, be empathetic in your coaching style. Um, understand, you know, where they come from, what they're trying to achieve, um, and just look at the things that they're doing in their regular life and how you can make it uh, better for them. Um, that's the best way to kind of start it off as a coach. 
Awesome. That that you know, I would I would come to see you if I ever get messed up. <laughs> yeah, I actually um maybe when I start getting back in the gym um from this COVID layoff, I might have to hit you up, Dom, about why everything hurts. Um, now to end off this episode, Pat, it's time to open up the gates to open up the most exclusive award any athlete can get. Did you actually know, Dom, that there's less people in the Natty Hall of Fame than Olympic gold medalist? It's a pretty good <laughs> club. So, um, like I said before, we are go we are inducting another person into the Natty Hall of Fame. Now, Dom, being our first ever guest, um, first of all, thank you so much for joining us here, and we really appreciate you coming by and telling us a lot more about kinesiology and being a kinesiologist, and also the importance of proper recovery. Um, and to honor you, what would who do you put as your nominee for the Natty Hall of Fame? Uh, you know, it's got to be my boy, Rich Piana. Uh, <laughs> I I would not be anywhere without this man. Uh, but, uh, you know, all of that aside, uh, I actually think uh, if you guys are familiar, Matt Ogus, one of my favorite guys, um, he he got he has to be in there. He has to be in there. <laughs> You know that that's hilarious because actually, um, last week's episode when me and Pat finished, we talked um about okay, who else should we put on? Because Scooby was for sure, and Pat actually was saying Matt August. So, um, I'm completely good with getting Matt August in here. He's he's the man. Uh, you know he he has a great approach to it. Um, you know he has a good physique to follow. You know he has a good platform. Um, you know he puts out good information. I I stand by it. No, I definitely agree. I feel like Matt Ogus was a, a pretty revolutionary guy with training. I think he's the guy who got like RPE systems popular on YouTube. Like I would never hear RPE until Matt Ogus was doing it. Yeah, I definitely got on the RPE train because of him. Uh, the 531, now his 753, you know, those training programs, uh, revolutionary, uh, would be still scrawny without it. So shout out to Matt Ogus. Matt Ogus. Pat, you want to give any comments about the Ogus? um no i i agree with dom that i mean like he gave all that content like when we were all teenagers like it was all for free and even looking back now like yeah pretty much all of what he said was uh good information progressive overload use good form use full range of motion focus on compound lift don't eat terribly like it's like really good stuff even it, it stands up well even today yeah, and also Matt Ogus was like, he, he was a bodybuilder primarily, but he was crazy strong. Didn't he like overhead press two plates? Or am I just making that up? Yeah, and I thought I could do it in five years, but that, that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. uh, 135 overhead press? Uh, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Um, I, we're all pretty tall and have long arms. I'm going to cope with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no uh, Matt Ogus is the man and uh, no it's always great to see him still out there still doing good content still shredded which is insane like his conditioning was always wild and he has a family second kid coming so he's definitely the man oh congratulations Matt Ogus uh, I hope he does all well and I hope he can proudly tell his kids that he is in the most exclusive fitness hall of fame of all time <laughs> all right um with that uh dom do you want to um a shout out some of your social media accounts so people can follow you for some good more information oh man i don't even uh, i don't even do all that you know um but i gotta shout out my boy pat uh check out pat he's putting out good content 
He is, uh, you know, I know you guys already put the plug in, uh, but I second uh, the plug. You know, he's, uh, he's a great guy, very open, easy to talk to, has good information for you, whether you are, you know, training uh, scared to get into training, um, you know, has great information for you to get started. Oh, I'm, I'm too humbled, man. Like, we can't can't bring a guest on and have him shout me out. <laughs> hey, you the man. You the man. Uh, hey, you know what? I can't disagree with that. I think Pat, I legitimately think Pat's Instagram page is one of the best fitness Instagram pages out there right now. So hopefully. going to be many more true. All right. With that being said, thank you again, Dom. It's been great having you. And any closing remarks, Pat? Um, no, I, that was a great episode. It's good. It's awesome to have, uh, our first guest on. Yeah. Take yeah, that, Joe Rogan. We're coming for you. We're going to get on Spotify too. All right. See you guys later and stay natty. Hope you all enjoyed this week's episode of Natty News. If you'd like to learn more, be sure to check out our website, www.natty.news. As well, check out our Instagram, Natty News Podcast, and Facebook page, Natty News, if you want to get a bit more Natty information.